And this week, we've been looking at identity and how the world sees us and how and what we repeatedly do. Um, so on Monday, we looked at our habits and how we develop our habits, whether it's good or bad. Yesterday, we looked at sexual exploitation, and we had Emma as our speaker. And today, we're going to look at what, who God says we are, and we've got a speaker, Jess's friend. Much, much, much for short, cool. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so within your groups, I want you to discuss the first question, which is, what do you do when you're all alone, and why? Question number two, which is, how comfortable you, are you on your own, and why? Okay, so hands up if you like being by yourself. Hands up if you think you would go crazy if you were by yourself for longer than a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha- I mean, the chances are, if you're an extrovert, you don't. I mean, you get your energy from being with people. So you're probably like Georgia. Georgia's an extrovert. She gets her energy from being with people, but she's trying to convince me that she would also love to be alone. I just don't believe it. I think within a day or two, people like that start going a little bit, like, unhinged and scared. Um, chances are, if you're human, though, the first thing you do when you're alone is what? Get your phone out. If you're human, I mean, because every human has a phone, don't they? Okay, uh, as Elwin introduced for us, we're looking at who we are, discovering our identity, what makes us us. And we said on the first day that who you are is a mixture of different things, like ingredients in a cake. And it's the interplay and interaction between different things that helps form your sense of self, who you are. Day one, we said about your habits, the habits you are, you are what you repeatedly do. And so a large part of who you are and how you see, see yourself gets shaped by the things that you do over and over and over again. Yesterday, we said that we are in large part a product of the society or the culture that we live in, for good and for bad. And um, I've got Manchester calling, trying to sell me some insurance at the moment. How exciting. Um, for good or for bad. And we said yesterday that in large part, we, because of the sexualized culture that we live in, we are a product of that society. We need to critique it and change it, challenge it, and allow the good news message of Jesus to transform it and redeem it. Well, today I want to, like, I, I think, press something that on the surface sounds quite nice, but I think when you really engage with the idea of being alone, you realize how terrifying and difficult that might be. And I'm going to introduce my friend Moshtaba to us in a moment. He's a hero of mine, and I can't tell you how excited I am. In fact, let me tell you this. You have made the wisest choice on the entire site by coming to this seminar, simply because you're going to meet this man and hear his story. And no, no word of a lie. So if you've got a Bible, let's, let's ground what we're going to say today in Mark's Gospel. So Mark's Gospel, and I'm going to read from chapter 1. In fact, I'd like someone to read for me. Who's got a nice reading voice? Elwin, you have a really nice reading voice. But you've done a lot of talking already, so I'm going to ask someone else to read. Who's got a nice reading voice that would like to read for us? And if you don't volunteer, I'll just pick on you. <laughs> That's harsh. Hello, young lady. Would you mind reading for me? Come out here. Come here. So we're going to read Mark chapter 1. What's your name? Marika. Everyone say hi, Marika. Okay, Marika, uh, Mark 1, 29 to 39. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Sim- Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. 
And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Excellent. So this is part of Jesus' habit, part of Jesus' regular rhythms in God was spending time alone with his Father. Um, Jesus is busy in activity, but he's not hurried and rushed. Yesterday we, we looked at issues facing Christians in our society, and we said that one of the big problems in our society is busyness, distraction. That we're, I think C.S. Lewis said, the reason we're so busy is because we're lazy. We're too lazy in that we don't prioritize and make decisions about what we should do. And so we try to do everything and we become busy and hurried and rushed and overwhelmed and stressed and burnt out and ill as a result of that. But Jesus is, is busy in activity, but he's not rushed and hurried. He knows his priorities. There's this great line where the disciples find him after he's been out with his father praying in the morning and they say, everyone's looking for you. I wonder what your response would be if, if someone said to you, everyone's looking for you. You'd probably be like, great, I'm needed. I must go. The people need me. Jesus' response is, everyone's looking for you. Okay, well, we're going somewhere else. <laughs> he's not driven and dictated to by the needs of the people around him because he spent time enough with his father that he knows who he is he is who God his Father has said he is, and he knows that he's here to do what God his Father has sent him to do. And so he's not going to be distracted by the demands of the people around him. I love how uh, the, the Roman Catholic writer, a man named Henry Nouwen, he says this. He said, I think Jesus' whole life is co continually claiming that identity in the midst of everything. There are times in which he's praised, times when he's despised or rejected, but he keeps saying, others will leave me alone, but my father will not leave me alone. I am the beloved son of God. I am the hope found in that identity. Prayer then, Henry Nouwen says, prayer is listening to that voice, to the one who calls you the beloved. It is constantly going back to the truth of who we are and claiming it for ourselves. Jesus lived in this identity of, I am the beloved of the Father. Therefore, what, what motivated him, what determined his destiny, his identity was th that identity. I am the beloved of the Father. And that's what motivates him in everything that he does. And actually, your identity, in large part, how you think about being alone with God and prayer, is going to be shaped by what you think of God. And whether or not you think God is someone worth being alone with in the first place. I was talking to a friend recently who's doing Alpha at our house. And um, she's been coming to church for a few weeks and is exploring. And she said, I don't get it. Like, people at church seem really into it. They seem to really like God, love God, emotionally involved with God. Why is that? 
And we, we talked more around it. And for her, she'd grown up with an image of God as being overbearing, strict, a str- overbearing, strict judge who's wanting to punish her. And so for her, the idea of anyone wanting to be alone with God for any length of time, loving God, being emotionally involved with God, is strange. Why would I want to be emotionally involved or alone with a being like that? But for Jesus, you see, he knows I'm the beloved of my father and this is who my father is. And so I put it to you, the more, how you think about God as your father is going to shape how you think about prayer and the concept and idea of being alone with God. Jesus in Matthew 6 Talking to his disciples, they asked him to teach him teach them how to pray. He said, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. Now, he's challenging hypocrisy. He's challenging showiness in the Christian life. He says, the way to deal with that is go into your room on your own and be with God on your own and spend time with him on your own. And actually, in Christian tradition, there has long been a tradition of of people spending time in solitude, long periods of time on their own, alone with God. Uh, People going to live in the deserts and up poles for years at a time. And not that I'd suggest that or recommend that. But there's been a tradition of the monastics, of people seeking God in solitude. Solitude, being alone, being alone with God, is a gift in that it forces you to be alone with God. But it's also a terror to us because it forces you to be alone with yourself, to confront your inner agonies and your inner hurts. We notice something when we look at the life of Jesus that Jesus faces some of his fiercest struggles in his ministry, some of his fiercest struggles immediately after, um, sorry, he faces some of his fiercest struggles in solitude before God. He wins battles in the private place, alone with God, 40 days in the desert, learning to trust his father. And then he enters an arena and has won some battles that helps him in that place after there. And this is a challenge for us in our society. We're constantly distracted, constantly looking at our phones. Or if we're not, even when we are alone, our phone is with us. And so solitude, being alone for any length of time in a, in a setting where no one can contact you, is very rare for us to find ourselves in places like that. And the damage that that does to us is it means that we are very rarely, truly switched off. We've always got like apps running in the background, some item on our agenda, something at any point, at any moment, someone could find you and interrupt your peace of mind. And that's a problem for us. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And if we're not good at being still, we should expect that we're also not going to be very good at knowing that God is God in the midst of all of our challenges and trials. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German Christian during World War II, and he eventually, because he, because he tried to overthrow and assassinate Hitler, um, he was arrested by the po- police, put into a, a labor camp, and eventually he died there. While in prison, just... Months before his death, he wrote a poem about his identity. And he asks the question, who am I? He said, who am I? Because everybody has an opinion about who I am. My cell inmates, they say that I'm one thing. Uh, they say that I'm always encouraging and I'm upbeat and I'm, uh, I, I walk out of my cell like someone in charge and I'm confident. But when I'm alone, I feel terrified and I feel beaten down by the trials and the, the, te- the trial that is going on. Who am I? And he concludes his poem by saying, whoever I am, 
thou knowest, O God, I am who you say I am. And I think in the Christian life, there's a journey for us to reach a place of peace, of knowing that we are who God says we are. So what I'd like you to do in your groups again is just have a couple of minutes discussing the whole concept of prayer. Um, Georgia, come and introduce some of these questions for us. Okay, so some of the questions are, can uh, these ones, yeah? At the bottom, I think so. Can you share a time when being alone for a long period of time had a good or bad effect on you? So start with that one. Get into the same groups. Okay, another one to throw in there while you're just still discussing that one. When comes to your mind, when you, what comes to mind when you think of prayer? What comes to mind when you think of prayer? Ooh, discuss that one. Another one to discuss is how do you listen to God? So how do you listen to God? What's the best way that you find for yourself listening to God? And the final question then, how much do you spend alone each day? Come back together. I'm going to introduce Moshtaba to us. Um, now, I think it was about uh, four years ago. I, I went to Istanbul. Uh, I run Impact Training, which is a, an internship program that um, many people across our family of churches have done things like it. And if you'd like to find out more about internships, you can come speak to me. Or tomorrow afternoon, we've got a seminar in here looking at next steps um, after college, maybe after uni. Um, and come speak to us if you'd like to talk about internships. So I went to Istanbul a couple of years ago now and met Moshtaba. And Moshtaba is an Iranian Christian who just arrived in Turkey from Iran. Uh, he was 27 at the time. Um, and he'd literally just been out of prison for a month, two months, sometime. He'd just come out of prison where he'd been for three and a half years um, be- because he's a Christian. In Iran, it's illegal for people to be Christians and to meet in church groups. And Moshtaba had been arrested and imprisoned, and he shared his story with us, and it made such an impact on me. I, I just I fell in love with him instantly. And, and then two years later, I took another group of students over just to meet Moshtaba because I thought, we've got to go all the way to Istanbul just to meet this man. And then last October, I was sitting in my uh, office, and I, got a pho- I live in a town called Seafood on the south coast. I got a phone call out of the blue, and uh, it was Moshtaba, and he said, Hello, Jez, I am in Seafood, which was the weirdest thing to me in the world. And then a few moments later, he sat in my lounge having a cup of tea, um, which was amazing. He'd, he'd married Hannah from Heathfield. So um, this is Moshtaba. He comes to us from Iran via Istanbul and Heathfield to join us this morning. So let's welcome Moshtaba as he comes to share. Okay, so we're going to do a bit of an interview and I'll I'll interrupt and try to ask questions and then at the end we'll throw it open to see what other questions we might have. And the reason we're asking him to speak on solitude is not just because he's uh, asking him to speak and share on how solitude has helped shape his identity and his life in God. And the reason for that is because not only has he spent three and a half years in prison, but uh, he, he spent two lots of 30 days in solitary confinement for his faith. And I want him to share some of the lessons that he's learned from that place as well. But most of it, first of all, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, how you became a Christian. Okay. Jez uh, introduced me very well. I just want to show you my wife here, Hannah. You can, yeah. Uh, she uh, came to Turkey for helping a team, a Syrian 
refugees, supporting Syrian refugees team. I was a part of that team. We met each other, and she said, wow, what a handsome Iranian man <laughs> from Middle East. A bit brown. Yeah. Uh, so she decided to marry me. <laughs> I decided to marry her as well. And uh, through the marriage visa, I came to England because of that. I, was, I used to be a refugee in Turkey. Because of that, Jess became really surprised by seeing me in England. Uh, anyway, uh, if you know where, where, uh, where is Iran, is, does anyone know where is Iran? Is, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Do we have an Iranian here? Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I was looking for that. Iranian are everywhere. If you go to Africa, to a like, rural island, you can find Iranian people. They're literally everywhere. So you can speak Farsi. Hallelujah. So you should help me. If you can be here, I ask you some questions. Yeah, thank you. Because I'm still learning English. Thank you for being here. You're so encouraging. From which city? Tehran. I'm from Shira, south of Iran. So, yeah, as just uh, said, in Iran, being a Christian is illegal. Uh, who's in the 18 age in this room? Okay. I was in this age when I uh, met Jesus or I gave my heart to Jesus or I surrendered my life to Jesus or I decided to become Christian. At that time, I didn't know I'm going to become Christian. But before, before I became a Christian, like from when I was 13 or 14, our house situation was full of troubles, full of tensions. My dad used to smoke opium, he went bank bankrupt. My brother, who, he's, who is six years older than me, he, he was struggling with de depression. He used to use drugs as well. And he was violent all the time in the house, and he was in the house all the time. And for any reason, such a small uh, reason, he used to become really angry and violent and started beating like it started from me and he used to beat me a lot and I couldn't respond or I couldn't fight back because he's sort of muscling and he's big and and it really really uh, affect my life and had a big impact on my life because I couldn't express myself I couldn't express my anger toward him so I put everything in my heart, all the hatred, all the anger towards my brother, I kept it in my heart and became really, really bitter. And, and that made me really negative about everything, about life, about God. And because he used to be in the house all the time, I preferred to spend my time outside, uh, outside of house. And... The music that I listened to was really horrible. Such a heavy metals music that they they 
they could express their anger and I it was satisfying for me just nodding like this and like uh, black metals that they singing like this <laughs> and now when I'm listening to them it's like what sort of music they were how I could listen to these sort of music and the group of friends that I found they were really negative and we just uh, I don't know how to explain it we used to just in English maybe it's like this just used to faffing around in the street and having fun or like uh, used to smoke having lots of bad habits and uh, like drinking and everything that it was looked looked cool or it could just give me more excitement and all all day from my anger and hatred in my heart and above all of them pornography was the biggest one that could satisfy me even it was stronger than drug it wasn't stronger than any smoking any drink and I was like from 14 maybe and till 18 that I became Christian I was addicted to pornography badly and it was affecting my not only physically my body even uh, my mental situation and in the beginning it was enjoyable it was fun but after a while that it became habit and then it became like chains around me tied me and I couldn't do anything I mean it was affecting all my decisions or my relationships with others and everything and we know that how how horrible the impact of pornography on people and this world is using uh, like I don't know he using sex to for the the adverse they everything you know how to how to make money with them. And I was a slave of, of that. Anyway, one of the reasons that I, one day I called God and by my phone. <laughs> Before I go to sleep, I was really, really feeling desperate. And for a couple of months, I was feeling really lost and... I was feeling really empty and I was feeling uh, shame that I'm not good enough. I'm dirty. I'm horrible. I'm awful. This life is without any meaning. I was really hopeless and it made me really indifferent to the world, to the life. That life is just a rubbish life life is nothing i was keep asking me these three questions why am i here on this world what's the purpose of living and where will i go after i die what's my future and it made me feel really hopeless and empty and no one could answer me a question i f- i i was feeling that there is a endless hole in my heart that nothing 
can feel it. I don't know, you have, you have the same uh, experiences and feeling in your heart. But one day, when my older brother, I saw him, uh, I found him so much different. I mean, completely different. He, he became really kind and calm, and I couldn't understand it. He started to make conversation with me very kindly and asked me like if if he want me to do something very polite. He wasn't like this. He was just like a boss always ordering. And if I couldn't do that, beating me. And I was really surprised and shocked what happened to my brother. He he called Jonah in English. Jonah, is that correct? Yeah, and I was really uh, surprised by that. And for one week, I was observing him. What happened to him? Why he completely changed? It was really nice that he was changed because we found a peace in our heart we changed, when he changed. So one day, I saw Bible in his hand. He used to go to some sort of meetings, uh, narcotics anonymous meetings, that addict people going there. And someone was Christian there, spoke about Jesus to him. He gave his heart to Jesus and completely changed after a prayer that he gave his heart to Jesus. So I became really curious about that. And I, I, it was, there was a feeling inside me that it was telling me that this, this person can help you. Jesus can help you. It became really interested to me. So one day, he had some videos uh, about Jesus. One day, I asked him, can I watch some of the videos? Uh, he said, yes. Which one do you want? There was a video that two pastors was talking about Jesus. So he played the video, and two pastors started talking about Jesus, that who is Jesus, who, who, what he has done for us, and how he is able to change our life and break our chains, all the addictions, all the bad habits, and how he can cover your shame with his love. You're not lost. You're blind to someone, and he's seeking for you. He's, he's coming after you, and he wants to find you, and he loves you. You're not, you're not a small. You're not evil. He wants to accept you as his child. And, all of, and he wants to save your life. He wants to give you a meaning for your life. And everything he was saying was for me. So at the end of the video, he said, do you want to pray with me? Uh, to the audience. If you want to accept Jesus, you can repeat these words after me. So I was repeating the prayer, like whispering, because my brother was in uh, front of me. I didn't want that he realized that I'm uh, praying. Our relationship was, wasn't good. Always we had conflict. So I just whispered the prayer. And believe it or not, immediately after the prayer, I felt such a huge peace in my heart. And it was like a huge burden was taken away from my shoulders. 
even physically, it affected me, and I felt really lethargic and relaxed. I just wanted to go to sleep, and it was like, yeah, it was, it was just a piece. It was a huge piece in my life, and I went out. I walked out of my house that day, and um, I went to the, my group of. Uh, friends that I used to just gather together every day and I couldn't do anything I just sat somewhere really relaxed and I couldn't say anything my friend came who was like we, we were sticking to each other all the time all the time we were sticking to each other and no one saw us without each other always we were together I couldn't be alone at all because, I don't know, I just wanted to someone, I, I needed voices around me to make me busy, to not listen to the voices in my heart that, would be, that they always wanted to make me small, that you're not good enough, look at your life, look at your family, look at you. And I just wanted to fill my life with everything, with smoking, drinking, uh, addictions, friends, I, do, I didn't want to, uh, like, see myself. I didn't want to hear myself. Always I was escaping from myself. So, yeah, I completely changed. I, don't want, I want to show the story and going to how, after two years, uh, I want to mention this. I used to, all my addictions gone after that prayer. It was a big and huge miracle in my life. Still, I can't believe it. How they gone. Naturally, I didn't want to watch the pornography anymore. Even I forgot many pictures of them. And all my addictions gone. My friend, my group of friends changed. My relationship with my brother healed. We prayed together after that. It was such an amazing picture that we... that always had fighting with each other. Now we're sitting and praying with each other. And how God restored our life, how God filled his love in our, love in our life. And I, I, we didn't have no idea about Jesus because Islam is a, um, Iran is an Islamic country. We didn't have any idea about Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is this, 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 this. But he was and he is real in our life and this is a privilege and pl- an honor today that we're hearing about him we need him we need to listen to him he give us a real identity that who exactly who you are you know and after two years i found some christian we gathered together we used to uh, see each other weekly praying together, singing worship together in house, very quietly, not like here in the big tent. You can't hear your voice, but they, we, we shouldn't hear our voice. I mean, we should do it quietly. Lift him high, lift him high. <laughs> we couldn't sing, because if neighbors uh, realize that we're Christian, they might report or anyway anyway after two years they found us and one day intelligence service came and knocked our door and uh, 
it was early morning, I opened the door, and there was like 10 officers in front of our house, and they said, by the order of the court, by the order of judge, we have to research your house. I said, can I see your uh, paper? And he pushed me inside the house and said, I show you <laughs> in the right time. I mean, it was, you know, there wasn't any, like, reason for that. We were just Christian. And uh, anyway, they came to our house. They researched everything. They, they arrested me and my brother and then my dad because after my brother, I became Christian. And after me, my dad. And after my dad, my older sister became Christian. And they arrested all of us. They put blindfold on my eyes. And separately, they took us to intelligence service jail. And for 22 days, they put me in solitary confinement. And during the, those uh, solitary confinement, they were interrogating me about our activities, about how I became Christian. And I didn't have no idea. My story was like the story in Bible, John chapter 9. There was a blind man who, who was born blind. And Jesus healed me. And they took him to court. And they ask, they ask him, don't, don't say anyone that Jesus has healed you because he's a evil. He's a, he's a not good person. He's just deceiving pe- pe- people. You, you shouldn't uh, speak about Jesus. But the blind man said, I don't know who, who he is. I, I, I was blind. Now I can see. <laughs> I was dead in all of my addiction. I was dead in all of my... Uh, all of my sins, all of my emptiness and everything. And now I was feeling uh, peacefully and I had hope in life and, and I had such a joy in my heart and I couldn't deny it. And I really, really excited about Jesus and his character. He was such an amazing person. He is such an amazing person and he had such a huge impact on this world. On history, if you see, Jesus make the, the history in half, you know. He, he, he influenced the art. He influenced everything in this world. He influenced me after 2,000 years. In somewhere in Iran, you might, none of you knew that, uh, knew that about Iran. But someone who had no idea about Jesus, he came to me as a... I love this, many stories of Jesus. One of the amazing stories about Jesus is that in Jesus' times, lepers were really alone. People who had leprosy, they were rejected from society. They weren't allowed to be in the society. And they always out of city or out of town. And whenever they needed something, they should have, like, um, uh, make noises that we are here, we are here, give us some food, give us some food, or can you help me with this? The only person who loved these rejected people, alone people, was Jesus. One of them came to Jesus, said, will you heal me? Say, yes, I will. And hug that person firmly. Say, I want you to be healed. And heal that person. And not only heal his skin, 
he healed his heart, his loneliness, his, his rejections. And this is such an amazing picture that how God is seeking for us. And he came to me who had lots of leprosy, diseases, problems, and he healed me. And, and, and now I can talk about him. As an ordinary person, I went to prison and I just... It was my testimony. I testified. Look, these things happened to me. And this, this means Christian. This means being a Christian. Having a relationship with this amazing God. But it was very interesting me, for me. That, do you have any questions so far? You want to ask questions? So... You, uh, so I want to talk about you being in solitary confinement. So you're in solitary confinement. You've been in twice. The one you just described, 21 days on your own in a cell. No one to talk to. You said, that, you said to me yesterday that they had lights on the whole time. So it's, you have no idea whether it's day or night. Very disorienting. Um, the only person you ever interacted with was when someone gave you a meal through the, the little envelope through the door, the flap. What does it feel like to be on your own for that long? Thank you. <laughs> so once I was 20, then I went to prison in solitary confinement, and once I was 24, uh, because after four years, again, they, I was arrested by the agency service, and this time they kept me for three years and one month. But it was really, really difficult uh, being in solitary confinement, being alone by yourself all the time. Uh, the only activity you have is just thinking. Thinking, thinking, thinking. And in that state, because everything is full of tension and stressful, and you, you're just ex accepting, expecting bad things happen to you, because you're not in a good place. <laughs> it's an intelligence service, and they just want to uh, harm you. They just want to persecute you. And you, so you normally think in a negative way. These bad things happen. These happens, bad things happen. And, and you're just by your own. You feel alone, and no one is around you. But as me, as me, Mochtaba, in my flesh, I was really, fe I was really uh, feeling uh, alone and weak and insecure. But there was always a voice in my ear and my heart was telling me that God, who broke all of your addictions and your chains and give you the real peace and joy is with you right now. He's stronger than anyone. He's above than anyone. He's the ruler. He's the king, king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And I was feeling really uh, bold, and I found myself really courageous in himself that he's real. He's just not a religion religious person who lived in uh, 20 years ago uh, to 20 to 2000 years ago you know and I started praying to him 
that, Lord, you are my shepherd. You are my shelter. You are with me. And during my prayer, I was experiencing Jesus like Jesus when he was on the cross. He said, Father, Father, why you have forsaken me? Or Jesus hid Father's God that listened to him. Father from the heaven said about Jesus, listen to him. He's my beloved son. And I, sometimes I could feel it that God is saying, uh, you are my beloved son. I'm with you. You are here with a reason. You are here for doing something big. And it happened actually. Many prisoners came to Christ and their life changed. People who were under execution sentence, drug, drug dealers, thieves, murder, uh, murderer, you say? Murderer, you know? Many, many people, criminal people. I was there alone with them talking about Jesus who changed my life. And their life changed. Some of them, Muhammad is the highlight story for me when I was in prison. Uh, he came to me and he heard that I'm Christian and I'm here because, I'm, because of, um, I am Christian. He came to me and he said, he has started to talk about Christianity and Islam and comparing these two together and he just keeps saying that Islam is the perfect religion. Muhammad is the uh, last prophet and Christianity is not true, blah, blah. And in my heart, I was coming from just coming from solitary confinement, full of stress, anxiety, feeling dis desperate and confused about my life in, in prison. And he was just arguing with me about Jesus and Muhammad. And my eyes said, gosh, how can I get rid of this person? I said, look, Muhammad, he was a drug dealer. His sentence was execution. I said, look, I believe that Jesus is alive. You can pray with him himself and ask him. They say, you are alive? If you are alive, show yourself to me. So he went and he came back the day after. And he was really excited, happy. He said, what happened? He said, what should I do? He said, what happened? What happened to you? He said, last night, as you said, I prayed. And I slept really peacefully after a long time. And in the morning, when I woke up, I just felt such a peace in my heart. And the name of Jesus was like pounding in my mind. Is that correct? And I feel, I feel that the burden taken away from my chest, and I can... I don't know, there is a joy, there is something strange in my heart. It's just moving. I like it. There is a hope in it. Say, so I believe the Holy Spirit has taught you. You can give your heart if you want to Jesus. Say, yes, I want. And he prayed with me. And his sister had a picture when he called his sister in the city. He said, last night I had a dream about you. A man came to my dream and gave me a letter gave me a paper actually and the paper was plain there wasn't anything in the paper and the man said this is Muhammad's freedom letter 
And he came back to me again, and he was really happy. He said, do you think that God wants to make a miracle and release me from prison? I said, I don't know it happened or not. But I believe, I believe that God has rescued your life, your soul, and you received the salvation, and you will be with him when you die. And he was, it was really comforting for him. And he said this, even now, if they executed me, I'm not worried anymore. I'm happy. I know where I'm going. This is how God answered our questions. It's something invisible. It's something inner in our heart. Jesus said, he said, you, you hear the sound of wind. You feel it. But you can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. You can't, you can't, you can't tell. Where is this wind come from? But you can feel it. For me and for Muhammad, it was like this. And for you, it can be like this all the time. How it happened? Because this world had lots of principles, has lots of things that tell you you should understand it first and then accept it. The things that we can't understand, we just deny them. We're just putting it aside. I can't understand it. But many things about God, we can't understand it. We could just feel it. It's like sitting up under the sun and just enjoying the the heat and enjoying the sun you don't know how any idea about sun where, where is exactly the sun in the universe and wh- how how was the shape of sun and how it works does anyone of you know that perfectly how it works the sun but can you tell yourself i can't understand sun what is this sun i don't want to receive sun you have to receive so, otherwise you will die. Otherwise you don't have nice skin. But we have to encounter with God. We have to receive this God, even when we can't understand. But, go on. So, uh, tell us a bit more. I, w- I want to keep pushing back to what it's like to be on your own for that length of time. It's amazing to hear what God's done. How did that, how did that change you, being alone for that length of period of time? I can imagine. You said to me the other day, you, it, feel, it felt like having your head on the ground and someone treading on your head. Like the pressure on your mind, just being alone with no one to talk to, day and night. I mean, how did that then change you, how you saw yourself and how you saw God? You mentioned it gave you courage and confidence yeah. in God. Um, tell us about Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't just about one day uh, that I, I could be by my own. You know, it was really difficult, but I, I needed to l- rely on God all the time. And why I could rely on God? Why I, I want to say like this: being alone is just not physically being alone. When we can physically be dependent on people and also emotionally, mentally, any, any, any aspect. We can depend on other people. What that means? That I find myself with others. I understand myself with others. The way that people talk about me, the way that people think about me, you know? And it is such a... Good things, but if if we don't understand it, we may hurt our life. For example, when I was a teenager, before I became Christian, I keep 
I was keep... How can I express it? Sorry. I just wanted to find myself but the way that people see me, the, the way that especially my friends see me. It was, it was the lie. If you don't have enough experience in many things that people have the same experience, you're not good enough, you're not mature enough, you're not wise enough. For example, my friends ask me, have you ever smoked? No, I haven't smoked. What? You, you never smoked, you know? It is something spring. Have you ever drunk? Have you ever watched this? Have you ever done this? Have you ever had sex? If you don't have it, you, you're not good enough in that group. You're not accepted. Or you, you are ignorant. You are idiot. You are stupid. And we just won't receive an identity, a quality of ourselves with the group of people we have. But I didn't need to receive this quality and identity anymore. It, it was really... A, like, it's, it's really difficult all the time. You want to make people happy. All the time. That they think about you good. It's, re- it's like a burden on your shoulder. That I, the way that people think about us. Especially our friends. But not every experience makes you mature. In this world especially. And after I became Christian, I have this ex- question of myself. Has any of my friends had this experience of being with God or talking with God? Have this joy I have now, uh, being free from addictions or having a deeper, uh, deeper sight about life or thinking about others, how to encourage people, how to lift up people? Because this world, the principle of this world is being perfect. Being better all the time. Having progress all the time. The other day I was listening to Boris Johnson, who became just prime minister. He said, we want to make the England better. Donald Trump always said, we want to make America better. We want to make the world better, 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 better. But it never become better. Believe it or not. Never become better. And they always worry about the, the, the heat about everything is happening in the world. People have to just make a, bla- a balance all the time that about the, everything is happening in the world. Nothing becomes better. And make it smaller in our, our life. We always have to better body, better face, better Education, better, 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 being perfect, perfect selfies, perfect Instagram page. Why people should have idea about us, compliment us. I want to receive something that people say this. But a beautiful and amazing theme in the Bible is that Jesus is always going to people who are ha- not perfect, who are not uh, good enough, always going to ill people, damaged people. There is lots of stories. I hope you have this time to read. He, I just want to tell you this, he make his nation, Israel nation, who brought the salvation, Jesus, through that nation, 
He make his nation through a, uh, what was the word? Barren woman, is it correct? Sarah was a barren woman. He couldn't, she couldn't give birth. She couldn't have children. But God said, I want to choose you. In, in those days, they, if a woman couldn't have children, they were cursed. And they weren't like they were cursed from God. But anyway, all of this helped me to find my value in someone who loved me perfectly. When I realized deeply in my heart that someone loves me perfectly, purely, who, who was really, who, who was laid down his life for me, who changed my heart, who changed my, the way that I'm thinking, the way that I'm speaking. I used to swear a lot because of my, the bitterness in my heart towards my brother. I was wishing that my brothers go, go out from the house and never come back. But any reason, die and never come back. It is very horrible to pray or wish something like this for your brother. I was really bitter. I used to swear a lot. But after I prayed, after I gave my heart to Jesus, the bitterness gone because he, his loves came. The wind blows into me and changed me. And I, I was flying like a bird. And it, it really helped me. Then when I was alone by myself, I'm not the lost. I'm not desperate. There is someone who's greater than anyone else. And in Jesus himself, there is a community. He has his amazing people within himself, which is church. And there is so much, so many lovely people that help me in this way. And as I shared with you once, when I was in solitary confinement, I had a picture when I was feeling really alone that I saw a picture. More than I saw this picture, it was really, it was invisible. And I, I could feel it strongly in my heart that there is a group of people. They love each other purely without any lie without any uh, I don't know how to explain it any evil evil spot in that does that make sense any any jealousy any greed any anything that will will separate these people from each other they love each other purely they they are happy they are joyful Imagine a group of people you have. You're playing game together. You have so much fun together. And I, I could see Jesus in the center. These people that purely love each other and they're happy. And this is the meaning of life. All people want to reach this. And I could listen to this voice, hearing this voice that you are belong to this. Don't see yourself only there. You are belong to this gathering. You are belong to this group of people. You are blind to hear that all of people have the crown like kings. They honor it. And uh, I just want to encourage you, whatever you heard now, even most, some of you might think, this is impossible for me. But it was impossible for me. And it is impossible for a young person to follow Jesus. 
and make change in other people's life. Someone like me, I went to prison. God used me in prison. Many criminal persons changed. They completely changed. Someone who, who had this plan all the time to kill the head of, uh, the head of prison, the manager, he became Christian, and he, one day he was giving this testimony that for 13 years he was in prison. For 13 years he had this hatred towards the manager, and he, by any reason he wanted to reach to the, his room and in any way to kill, the, to kill the manager. But when he became Christian, for 13 years he said, I was, it was like a burden on my shoulder, I couldn't get rid of it. All the time, I was thinking about different plans, how I can reach to the, his room. And he said, now I'm free. I don't need to kill him. God loved me, and his love is in, his, in my heart. And he was praying for him. That was an amazing picture for me. And this is how we can be honored in God, when, even when we are alone, and receive our real and true value from him, not from the other people think about us. Think about physically being alone and also how even when you are with other people, you can be alone. What I mean, how you can see your value in a bigger value, not the way that people think about you. Thank you, my friend. Let's show appreciation. I must say. Sorry, I did this. <laughs> Thank you so much. And so encouraging. I've got the microphone now so they can't hear you. So encouraging <laughs> and inspiring to hear your story and to hear what God's done in your life. My encouragement to us in taking away from this is you are who God says you are. And so I would encourage you to seek God as much as you can and learn to fight for time on your own with God. Make it a habit. Um, learn not to be shaped by your culture, but learn to be shaped by God. And the way you're shaped by God is spending time with him. Moshtaba hung out with his friends a lot, was shaped by them a lot. Got to know Jesus a lot, was shaped by Jesus a lot. Spent a lot of time with Jesus, was shaped by him a lot. Tomorrow we're going to be looking at you are who your community says you are and the impact of community. And we find with our identity and who we are in God that it is the interplay, the mixture between being alone, being with others, being alone, being with others, that over a lifetime shapes us into who God has for us and who God wants us to be. Let's just um, stand and I'll pray and seal what God has spoken to you this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the honor of being children of yours. Thank you for the honor of standing in your presence. Thank you for the honor that wherever we are, we're with you. And thank you for the invitation this morning to learn to seek you and be alone with you. Thank you for Moshtaba's story. Thank you for bringing him to us, God. We pray your blessing on him, him and his wife, Hannah, for their work in the church together. God, we pray for Iran, that it would become increasingly free and freer for people to know Christ and to live for Christ in that country. And we, I, Lord, I pray for these brothers and sisters in the room here, and I ask that, God, you'd put something in them, a longing, a desire to be alone with you. God, stir their appetite to seek you daily, regularly in a private place. God, teach them the value and benefit of learning to be like Jesus and spending time alone with you, I pray. Amen.